And this is View the Valley's podcast, season three, episode three, with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. TJ, how you been? Fantastic. Things are just, I mean, next week we start preseason games. It's unbelievable. It's already here. I can't wait. Uh, but now the wait's over. How about yourself? I'm doing good, TJ. Um, looking forward to the season start. I mean, we're not too far away. Um, you know, we talked last week, postseason baseball is essentially over for St. Louis. So mm-hmm. kind of kind of, kind of of like a little dead period here. But now St. Louis Blues hockey is back and going. Mm-hmm. So we got that going. Um, and then um, the XFL sent out an email. A lot of us that have put a direct deposit down already said big news coming. So... It's got a lot of us, you know, pretty pumped to see wow. what we got I going. Didn't, I hadn't seen that. I didn't put my deposit down, though, yet. So what do you think the big news is? They're probably going to come out and say that, well, one. Still that, the Battle Hawks. And I, I really think that that name was never going to change. Yeah. There's so much fan clothes here with Battle Hawks. I mean, it would see a blue. No way they would have changed it. But Ricky Prohl was seen on Twitter with a with a binder and it had a battle hawk logo on it so i really think that you know that's gonna stick um but other than that you know what do we got here recording on october 27th uh, a lot of the ovc first games and i think all all around november 7th mm-hmm. tip off yep but during this episode we'll discuss the mtes or the college basketball classics that teams in the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley are participating in. Also, Southern Indiana head coach Stan Gerard joins the show to talk USI hoops and what the transition has been like thus far from Division II to Division I. So first things first, TJ, we'll, we'll go ahead and get into some of the multi-team events here. Uh, what are we seeing on the Missouri Valley side here? Any Anything that you know, pops out at you? I think Bradley's pops out at me first. They have Auburn, who, you know, have seen, you know, quite a bit of change here lately. But I think that that'll be a good test for them. And then they have the opportunity, if they can win that game, I think they'll probably play Northwestern. So anytime you can play a Power 5 school, and if you get a chance to play two, that's a heck of a, a day. Illinois State plays LSU. And then either Akron or Western Kentucky, which are two from two solid mid-major conferences. And then Murray State, I think, might be in the best MTE or the most, uh, like, the best challenges for them. Sure. They start out with Texas A&M, then they'll play either Colorado or UMass, and then get a third game after that. So I think all three of those are pretty good. And, of course, we talked about Northern Iowa, that they're going to get to play San Francisco, which is a heck of a, a contest for them, too. So I really think that's those are the ones that stand out to me. Just not to slight the other ones, but you can really get some of those power five schools that you know you're going to play, not the necessarily like, oh, we might get to play them. No, you, you're starting out playing those guys. Now, is there a team that you saw in the Missouri Valley that you think should just be able to run through the whole multi-team event and go undefeated? I, I think Belmont's got a chance. I don't know who the, the other teams are that they can play, but they'll start with Tarleton State, and then they either get – uh, Boston College or George Ma- George Mason, and I think what we're kind of expecting from Belmont, you know, the tradition. I mean, we talked to Coach last week, and they don't have a lot of their scoring returning, but I think that's a great opportunity for them to win, you know, two three games and have a chance to go, uh, you know, get off to a good start. 
So, and who knows what SIU will see with Tennessee State, then UNLV, sure. and they either play Minnesota or Cal Baptist. And you think if they get that far with two wins, they should be playing Minnesota and again, a chance to play a power five. Well, I know talking about Belmont, if, if we're looking at Ken Palm here, um, Belmont's starting out as a 125 ranking. Um, and you look at their MTE opponents, the two that they're for sure playing, Tarleton State's 200 and Georgia State's 234. So, I mean, you know, one would think, as you said, that those are two games that they should, they'll probably be favored in if you're looking at a sports betting perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd well, be, they play the Boston College or George Mason there. Or George Mason? Yeah, Georgia State's not till afterwards. Oh, okay. Okay. I must, I misread that. Um, but but still, should start out with a win against Tarleton State. And I don't know if it was last year or what year it was. Um, believe, yeah, uh, Belmont beat Boston College back. I don't know if it was 2020 or 2021, but I think they won at Boston College. I, I think it was a high-scoring game, and I believe they won by double digits. So this is another chance for them to get a win against a Power 5 team if they end up facing facing Boston College. Um, but on the OVC side, TJ, there, there are a few teams that aren't even participating in MTEs. Only how, only seven teams in the OVC. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like it's a missed opportunity, or do you think it's programs that are trying to put games on their schedule they feel are more competitive for them? Yeah. See, I, I feel like you can look at it two different ways. You know, one, I think a lot of programs put those on there so it gets them ready you know multiple games and back-to-back days to get them ready for conference tournament and but looking at some of the scheduling so like didn't really see a multi-team event for Moorhead State but they have a stacked non-conference schedule so if you're able to schedule games like that then I think it does it kind of eliminates that that have to or need to try mm-hmm. and schedule a MTE um but I do think it is beneficial if you're trying to prepare yourself for postseason. Uh, but first one here, uh, we'll we'll start with SEMO. SEMO um, is in the Wisconsin-Milwaukee tournament. Uh, they will play Boston, UC Davis, and Milwaukee. So kind of a broad range of teams there all over the country. But the first one they have is Boston. And as of right now, in a in a Ken Palm ranking, they are they are picked two hundred and forty third. UC Davis is one eighty four, and Milwaukee is near the bottom at three twenty nine. Um, Semo's picked three hundred eight right now. Uh, Ken Palm actually has them losing all three games, um, but obviously that's just a projection, and it is just the Ken Palm rating. So obviously a lot a lot of things could change from that. Um, but the game I'm looking forward to the most out of those three is is UC Davis. Um, I, UC Davis should have the best team out of the three. And, I mean, you really don't see SEMO getting too many games scheduled against California teams. Yeah, they did have a road swing there last year, but typically it's a lot of Midwest teams or, or going basically east of the Mississippi. So. It, am I reading this right? Is it projecting that both those games, last two games, the Milwaukee game and the UC Davis game are both going to be on November 27th. Uh, Milwaukee is November 28th. 
Okay, so that's Sunday. All right, so I'm looking at now is a different document, but it says the 25th, the 27th, the 27th, because that'd be really interesting. Oh, hell yeah, it would to be. To get, you know, because you figure that there's going to be four games that day, because in my mind, but it's neither here nor there because it's not true. Yeah, because it, 20, mine is inaccurate. 26th through the 28th is that MTE. Okay, so I'm showing 25, 27, 27. Man, that would be, be a great day trip. Oh, absolutely. Uh, SIUE is in the JK54 Classic. They will be participating in that with Farley Dickinson, VMI, and Longwood. Um, now, now this is an MTE. I, I think if if Rayshon Taylor can stay healthy and SIU is able to get the scoring production they have from their returning starters outside of Taylor, I think this is this is a stretch where. I think SIUE could win all three games if they're able to play up to what their capabilities are. Right. Um, I mean, Fairleigh Dickinson usually is not not very good. Um, they're they're towards the bottom, especially this year going into the season. Uh, VMI is typically a bottom feeder. Uh, Longwood's the best out of the three. But even then, but you, I think they're bringing in teams because it's their it's their tournament. Sure, it's at their campus they're bringing in three three teams that they, they think they can beat oh 100 i mean that that's what i think you have to do if you're if you're a team hosting you're obviously not going to try and bring in a team that's well when you're a mid-major try and bring in a team that you may not beat go, go back to the days of uh of the uh, fighting Illini back in the 80s and the lou henson classic hmm. and it'd be like dual directional tech versus saint mary's sister of the blind like lou henson's got an 84-0 record in the lou henson classic like yeah because he played two guys with a broken leg and my grandma yeah i mean it, to each your own you know it's, it's it's however you want to look at that scheduling <laughs> uh tennessee state is playing in the socal challenge um, and I believe that is one of the right. challenges that yeah, Missouri they're, they're going to start playing at SIU, Carbondale. So they'll play Carbondale at Carbondale, and then they'll go to California to play Cal State Northridge, and then either High Point or Central Michigan. Um, Tennessee State picked at 278 right now in the Ken Palm. I, I'm pretty confident that they will finish a lot higher than 278. Um, I, I mean, their non-conference schedule, I think, as we had talked about last week, um, pretty favorable for them. If they're able to stay healthy. They should be able to have a have a pretty pretty good record going into conference play. Um, I mean, because they, they do have five five games against non-Division I uh, competition. So outside of that, a couple teams at the bottom of uh, the Division I rankings right now. Uh Little Rock, they are playing in the Indiana Hoosier Classic. Uh, teams in that is Jackson State and Indiana, as well as Miami, Ohio. So Little Rock will be traveling to Indiana for that. Uh, Little Rock projected 310 right now, preseason ranking in Ken Palm. And obviously Indiana is going to be the best, best team in that, um, but should have a legit chance at beating Jackson State and being pretty competitive against Miami, Ohio. Uh, Lindenwood, on the other hand, they will be playing in the McNeese State Tournament. So, obviously, they'll be paired up against McNeese State one of the games, as well as playing Lamar University and Western Carolina. And 
I think that's a good I think it setup is. for them. You know, you travel south, you play some schools that, you know, obviously a lot of these schools are going to be new to Lindenwood and southern Indiana since they're, you know, breaking into the D1 ranks. But I, I like that for them. Absolutely, because you look at the, the competition there, it's a pretty pretty even balanced uh, MTE. Uh, Western Carolina, the best team in it. But if you look at Lindenwood, you should have a pretty good chance of beating Lamar. I think they should they should win that. Um, but McNeese State should be a good battle. Um, obviously, McNeese State has the has the edge as they're the home team, and I'm sure not many Lindenwood fans will be making the travel all the way down there. But nonetheless, uh, at least a win, um, at least one win, if not two, I think for Lindenwood. See, I think that'd be a great trip too, because Lake Charles, Louisiana is like, if I remember correctly. It's on the opposite side of Lake Pontchartrain from New Orleans. What? I'm not, I'm not familiar with that lake. Lake Pontchartrain? Pontchartrain? Nope, not familiar at all. That's the lake that, if I remember correctly, pretty much flooded all of New Orleans during the uh, Katrina hurricane. Really? Mm-hmm. Let's do some digging. See, I'm, I'm learning history here at the yeah. same time. Also, Longwood was 26-7 and seven last year and won the Big South. So they're 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 not too bad. Yeah, they're they're definitely the best team in that. But and that was a team back shoot. I guess it's probably closer to 10, 12 years ago. God, I'm getting old, but I think Simo played them twice, and that was the year when Simo won like three games and Longwood must have just became division one eligible and they were uh, they were terrible. But while you're doing some digging here, TJ, I'll go ahead and go on with Eastern Illinois. Uh, they are playing in the Ohio University MTE. Uh, only three teams in it, Eastern Illinois, Ohio, and then Alabama State. So they'll be playing both of them. Eastern Illinois, good chance at beating Alabama State. Ohio is usually solid year in and year out. Um, but again, never know what could happen. And then the last team in an MTE in the Ohio Valley is Southern Indiana. Not really an MTE, more along the lines of a classic. Uh, they'll also they'll be playing Notre Dame, St. Bonaventure, and Bowling Green. So uh, you'll hear that classic come up as we talk with head coach Stan Gerard here in a little bit. But a brutal stretch of games for Southern Indiana, but a good stretch of games to get Southern Indiana on teams' radars. Right. That's exactly they want to get out there. I think get their, themselves exposed as much as possible. You know, have some winnable games, competitive games, things of that nature. So Lake Charles is nowhere near New Orleans. It's three hours, a little over three hours due west. Okay. But Lake Pontchartrain is the correct body of water that is flooded New Orleans. So I was wrong and right. And I had no idea on either. Yeah. So. Okay. Um. But before we get into the interview here, uh, just real quick, since we are going to be talking Southern Indiana hoops, uh, Ken Palm has Southern Indiana projected to go 18 and 13, first year Division One level here. I think you'd be really happy with that. I think you would too, especially when you look at the non-conference games of Missouri, Carbondale at home, Notre Dame, St. Bonaventure, Bowling Green, as we said. Um and then, you know, Purdue-Fort Wayne is a 
is going to be a really solid mid-major team this year as well. I think getting Indiana State to come to their place is a solid win for them too. Yeah, and, and that, know, to get two Missouri Valley Conference teams to come to your place, it, it that works out for you. That you get, I think you also hope for a good travel. Oh, for sure. You know, for sure. But we'll see. Um, yeah. So I mean, the other teams that obviously didn't mention. They didn't have a multi-team event this year, just a loaded non-conference stretch of games. Um, but I also think teams like those MTEs because they try and find a time around Thanksgiving to mm-hmm. go somewhere nice because, I mean, you know, you're in the heart of college basketball season and most players aren't going to get to go, with, you know, go home and see their family during that time. Right. And I, th- I think team bonding can't be underrated either. That when you're just going on the road traditionally – you drive in, you fly in, play, and you get out. Now you go to the Virgin Islands, even if it's like Charles, Louisiana. Let's spend a yep. couple of days there. You have time, you know, and sometimes you figure out which guys you're going to get along, which guys don't, and and how those things work out too. How do you how do you react to? Yeah, we spent a lot of time together, but we're going to be together for four or five days. That's you know, there's not too many people on my list that I would go on a trip for four or five days oh, yeah. with. Yeah, I mean, well, unless you're going to Las Vegas, then I think it's a little different. I think Las Vegas, you need to trim that down. Yeah, three and a half. Two, day, day and a half. <laughs> I can't but, stand you right now. It has nothing to do with the fact that you lost $1,500. You shut your face. Sorry. But yeah, I did. I got to experience a little bit of that, uh, what it was like to try and schedule some of those like out of, out of tournament or out of area tournaments, mm-hmm. you know, like coaching that... Um, select baseball travel ball whatever you want to call it these days but you know some parents look at it like well we don't want to go too far well we want to go pretty far if we're going somewhere we want it to actually be a vacation so you try and find that happy medium but i mean you look around here in the st louis area okay you go four hours this way it's like it's it's flat you go four hours this way it's flat but so i mean you really got to go out of areas like you know Two years ago, we went down to Atlanta for Fourth mm-hmm. of July, and I mean, people seem to seem to really enjoy it. You know, they all they all trapped or drove, and well, I flew because I had Southwest card and didn't have to pay for it. But you did pay for. Well, it. I yeah, I did, but I didn't. Took a lot to work up to it, but. <laughs> How much money did you lose in Vegas for that free flight to Atlanta? <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna disclose that information. Uh, but with that, we'll go ahead and bring you the interview with head coach Stan Gerard of Southern Indiana when we caught up with him earlier in the week. And we are joined by Southern Indiana basketball coach, Coach Stan Gerard. Coach, thanks for joining us this week. How things been going? It's going great. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate being on the show and taking some time to, you know, dig into USI basketball. But uh, things are well, um, you know, less than 10 days away from our first exhibition game and um so we're, we're putting the piece together um you know guys are, are starting to get back healthy uh past two weeks we've been missing you know our, our two leading scores and, and, a, and a really good kid we bought in that we think that can help us uh from the juco ranks but uh but the guys who stepping in stepping in in those guys' presence has been pretty good for us so you know the highs and lows of college basketball uh but we, we're gonna be okay so, as you're approaching this season, the first year at Division One, what for you personally, 
is the most exciting thing about this making this transition to Division One? You know, the most exciting thing right now with all the hype uh, here at USI, you know, uh, I'm, I'm in a very fortunate situation, first of all. Um, I played here at USI uh, back in the 90s, uh, 1996. I finished up playing here uh, with the national championship team. So uh, I have some, some deep roots here uh, in this program, in this city. And uh, so it's a blessing to be back to coach at a place where you played at. So uh, it, it feels it feels great. Uh, really excited. Uh, the campus buzz is it, it's really exciting on campus. In the city, uh, the administration's excited. So we just got to go into this first year and, and you know grab the bull by the horns and go out there and compete on a high level and, and let the chips fall where they may. So with the transition to Division One, uh, more more along the lines of the recruiting. Um, how is it different from Division Two to Division One? Well, the conversations are different, of course. You know, I, I think the first thing I had to do as as a new coach at this level, um, I had to you know tap into the league and see what other institutions were doing from a playing standpoint. You know, so I, I had a chance last year to uh, you know drive down to the OVC championship game and a couple of games prior to. And, you know, check the temperature, see, you know, how teams are playing, what kind of players they have. And, um, you know, so that was the first thing I did, you know, uh, recruiting. The conversations have been a lot different. It's been easier getting the phone with a couple of guys here now that we did one. You know, we on a higher level of guys. But, you know, right now, unfortunately, we cannot play in the postseason for four years as of right now. So it's going to take some time to build this roster. Um uh, to a really, really high level. Now, I'm not discounting anybody we have right now, but, you know, <clears throat> any human being, especially a young man, he wants to go to a place in college basketball, at a college basketball level, rather, where he can play in the postseason. And uh, so the NCAA has a rule in place right now um, that we cannot play in the, uh, for four years in the postseason as we make this transition. So we we... we, we we're fortunate with some of the guys we have. Um, I think the guys we have in this current roster can help us win some ball games. And um, like I said, we're going to grab the bulls by the, horn, by, the, by the horns. Take the guys we have uh, with our returning guys. We have 10 new guys, five returners, but got some really, really uh, high-level athletes, high-IQ guys, some guys who want to you know, win and want to be in this program despite the circumstances. So... What kind of challenges did you guys have putting together your non-conference schedule this first season in D1? I mean, you had some really good games that pop out. You, you're going to Mizzou. You have you host Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, uh, Gotham Classic. You play Notre Dame, St. Bonaventure, Bowling Green. And then you're also getting Indiana State to come to your place as well. Did you find people were wanting to call you or did you have to kind of really go out and hunt? No, believe absolutely. You, you, you hit the nail, man. Everybody's calling us at this point to make this transition. <laughs> um, you know, when we were Division Two, scheduling was brutal. We, we, you know, we were um, somewhat of a powerhouse at the Division Two level, and we were the team that were seeking, um, you know, some buy games. Now the, the, the shoes on the other foot, and we, we're getting calls from everybody at this point, and we have to be very selective. In our scheduling, I don't want to schedule myself out of a job. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. <laughs> <laughs> Serious, man. I, I've seen guys who, who made this transition before and, you know, jumped all the way in and was scheduling. And, and, you know, two or three years later, they lost their jobs. And I wanted to make sure uh, a couple of things. I wanted to make sure, 
you know, we played some games uh, like Notre Dame and Mizzou uh, to help us in terms of recruiting, but also bring some 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 dollars into the institution mm-hmm. uh, from a um, you know guaranteed game standpoint. But then you take games like you know you know let's just go, and I'm not saying anybody's a walk walk over by any means, but Western Illinois, IUPUI, you know, uh, IPFW, uh, St. Bonaventure, you know. Winnable games. I'm not. I don't know what's going to happen until we throw the ball in the air. But we, we have some games that are winnable. But at the same time, you know, my goal as a head coach is to get these guys prepared for the uh, the grind of the OVC. And uh, I think we got a mix of you know really really tough opponents in in, in Mizzou and at Notre Dame, um, Southern Illinois. You know, you, you, I I have a great deal of respect for SIU Carbondale. In Indiana State, I coached in the Valley for three years in Indiana State, so I know how good the Valley is. But when you can schedule and get two Valley teams to come to your place, especially with the proximity of, of both institutions, uh, I think it's a win-win situation for everybody. So really excited, man. And, and like I said, my goal is to have these guys get up and ready to go uh, on, on day one, but really want to have a, a, a great taste at this level uh, come conference playtime. So – I know talking to Coach Mullins from SIU Carbondale, he kind of had a unique situation there where they agreed to come to Evansville, but now you're going to go next next two years, if I remember correctly, to Carbondale. Yes. Were there yes. any other situations like that that you kind of had to get creative with how you got yes. to, come to um, visit? You? you know, Carbondale, you know, they're, they're a powerhouse MVC team. And, you know, for the most part, they, they can buy most teams, you know. With us being so close, I think they travel very well. Um, and we travel well, we, we travel well as well. So, um, you know, it's a hundred miles, you know, my <laughs> wife is from Carbondale, so I know the distance from, from front door to front door. <laughs> so from our campus, it's a hundred miles. And, uh, so we're going to go there two years and play there. It's an easy drive. We can make a day trip out of it, um, and play a quality institution. And, you know, we'll, we'll get these three years out of the way and see what year four holds, uh, for the two of us after we play these three games. Now, you were talking about having some winnable games on the schedule. Now, one, you go to Chicago State. Now, while they have been kind of lower in the uh, Division One rankings, nonetheless, it's still a chance to get a win on the road. Absolutely. And, you know, you know those guys are, are, are fighting for, them, for their lives just like we are. And, um, you know, we signed, a, uh, I think, a two-year deal with, with – with, um, with those guys and, and you know, you, you look at their roster and what they've done over the course of the years, I'm sure they've got they've gotten a whole lot better. But that's another game that, you know <clears throat> praying you know, praying that we can win it, you know, praying we play well, but you know, a winnable basketball game from a number standpoint, but at the same time, we still gotta go out and play the game and hopefully we play the right way and go up there and, and make it a great trip so we can get back home and like I said, prepare for league play. So look <clears throat> looking ahead to your roster this season uh, you have three players returning that scored double digits last year: uh, Jelani Simmons, Tyler Henry, and Jacob Polakovich, as well as a couple transfers that have experience at Power Five schools. Uh, what are you looking for out of those those guys? Well, I, I think we need great leadership uh, from our return guys. You know, Jacob has been with me his whole career. Uh, Tyler Henry's been with me for three years coming up. And, uh, as well as Jelani Simmons. Um, I put so much pressure on those three guys. When things go bad, it's always their fault, whether they're in, in, the, in the situation or not. But, you know, as, as, a, as a leader, those guys 
have accepted that responsibility and understand that everything goes through those, through those three guys. Um, so I'm excited about those three. You know, Jelani was selected uh, all, all league, preseason, all conference, and that's that's uh, that's pretty big for him. You know, he's coming into the unknown. He had a year at Youngstown State before we got him here, and he's came in and has done some great things for us. But a lot of new guys, a lot of new faces, and like you said, some power five guys who came from the likes of University of Houston and Karan Powell. Um, Trevor Lakes was at Nebraska. Um, and then, you know, uh, Jeremiah Hernandez, the Kent State transfer. So uh, I think those three guys, we needed experience. We needed new faces. We needed some bodies, but we needed some experience as well. And while those guys didn't get a ton of minutes at their previous institutions, they also, you know, have got should have that winning attitude. And I think I've seen that a whole lot in practice. Uh, they bring a different work ethic to the table that we normally don't have. And um, we're going to lean on those guys as well to bring their experience to the table to help, you know, our current, uh, help our new guys as well as our freshmen. So you talked about ineligible for the postseason, preseason picks to have you at seventh in the Ohio Valley. So what kind of benchmarks or Things do you have in your mind that would constitute a good season for you guys for your first year well, in Division One? Uh, I guess what what would benchmark everything is to, to win a conference championship. I think that's our ultimate goal. Um, every day we play our game, every day we practice, we're competing for a championship, and that's what we try to instill in our student athletes is competing for championships. Um, in March, uh, when the conference tournament is going on in the OVC. It's 15 miles from our campus. Uh, the OVC takes the top eight teams, and um, it would be a, a disgrace if we're not playing in that. So uh, that's our goal. Our end goal is to, is to make it to the uh, conference championship, conference championship game, and uh, and win the league tournament. Uh, we have invested some money into the CBI, mm-hmm. uh, which is college basketball invitational. So if we finish over 500 this season, we have a chance to compete in the CBI as well. But first things first, uh, get out to a great start right away, um, you know, make sure we get our feet wet going into league play, and then hopefully we're ready. You know, we, we've done a, a well enough job in the preseason um, with our scheduling, with some of our tough games, but also protected home court uh, against some really good opponents and, and do well in our league so that way we can, you know, be one of those top top eight teams in the conference tournament and then make a, make a really nice run uh, here in Evansville in the OVC, the OVC tournament. So you talk about the, you know, postseason tournament and the CBI CIT uh, conference tournament. Uh, what is your thoughts on the probation period for you know the NCAA tournament in general? Well, you know, not a huge fan, but at the same time, I understand um, what 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 the rule is. I, I didn't know much about it, uh, but I've learned. Uh, I had the opportunity to serve on the uh, Division One Search Committee as we were making this transition, you know, so I walk into that whole situation kind of uh, not knowing, you know, what the process was, but now that we've dug deeper into it, you know, uh, during my time on that search committee, I've learned the why. And um, so that helped me, that gave me a better understanding as to, to why they're doing it. You know, there's a, it's a, it's pretty much a four step process every year. Things we got to have in place as we go to, to the next year or we take a year, take a year back. But, um, it's a process, and, and I understand it. Uh, I wish it was two years, but at the same time, uh, we knew what we were getting ourselves into um, with this postseason ban as we made this transition uh, for Division One. So I'm going to support it, and 
we're gonna we're gonna be okay in four years. We'll play, but I'm gonna support that decision. Um, we're gonna move on and, and, and do our parts every year to to play the conference the conference tournament game rather, and then um, we'll we'll see what happens in the CBI. And then in four years, you know, when things change for us, you know, we hope to make some noise in the NCAA tournament. All right, changing gears here. We'll kind of wrap up here with a couple personal insight questions. Okay. After you're done playing collegiately, you had the opportunity to play in Columbia, South America. What takeaways did you have from playing overseas and being able to pursue that dream a little bit? The biggest thing I preach to my student athletes, you know, when you're a young man, you always think that basketball is going to bounce forever. And um, in my case, uh, that was not the case. You know, I was a two-time national player of the year here at Southern Indiana. And, you know, when you get those kind of individual accolades, you you, you, you tend to make it to the NBA. And, um, you know, a couple of knee injuries here and there, and, and here I am bouncing around from country to country in Europe. And uh, I, I, I played at a high level, but at the same time, you know, uh, I opened my eyes to reality that the NBA was just not going to happen. So the biggest takeaway um, I learned from playing over in Europe was always have a plan B and sometimes a C and a D. You know, um, my junior year after I, was, after I was national player of the year, it was NBA or nothing. And when reality set in, uh, you know, a couple of knee injuries here and there, and, and I bounced around. After year four, I started to think about that plan A and B. And I think the biggest thing for me was coming back and uh, finish my undergrad degree. You know, so many young men go through programs and, and don't finish their degrees. And then when they get done playing, it's like, now what do I do? Well, it's pretty hard to, to go back um, and finish your degree if you're not playing. I know for me it was, you know. Um, but I, I came back, finished up, and never burned bridges. Um, had a chance to work as an academic advisor for my community college. And then uh, I played for Bruce Pearl here at USI, who's now at Auburn. Once he went to Milwaukee, um, uh, he left here to go to Milwaukee. Rick Curtis became the head coach. And gave him my chance, you know, and the rest is history. But, you know, you can never take a situation for granted. Uh, the ball is not going to bounce forever. Uh, have a plan B. And I think the biggest thing is these young men need to do is continue to take the academic series because, again, one day they're going to be old, fat, and gray like myself. And you got to depend on their degrees to uh, provide for their families. So, I preach that every day. You know, we have some young men in our program here that can play uh, probably after college. I have a, uh, a ton of guys that's playing for my previous institution that's playing pro basketball. Jordan Lloyd, who played for the uh, Toronto Raptors when they beat uh, Golden State Warriors in the championship. He's now in Europe. You know, David Logan, Darius Adams, Joe Lawson. They got a lot of guys that's playing. And I think the main thing for me as their mentor and coach was to make sure they – get that degree so that way they can um, provide for their families once the ball is done bouncing. So to wrap things up here, uh, we usually kind of title this as our entertainment tonight question. Okay. Uh, last year, last couple of years, we, we had a uh, favorite place to eat, uh, but we kind of changed things up here. So if you had to choose one sporting event you're going to, uh, it can be any sport. Uh, what game are you picking? You said a game or a or just a, a, a sport? Just a game? Game 7 of the World Series, World Cup Final. Oh, I'm, I'm going like to that. the Super Bowl when my Dallas Cowboys make it. Oh. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. And I'll take a regular season Dallas Cowboys game. 
it doesn't really matter. But I'm, I'm a huge advocate. Uh, been loving the Dallas Cowboys for over 45. I'm 52. Uh, I fell in love with the Cowboys at the age of six years old. And you can always come to my practice on Monday mornings, Monday afternoons, rather, <clears throat> and tell if the Dallas Cowboys has won, have won the game because my, my mood changes from here to there. And when they lose, uh, my, my players, uh, my team, everybody gives me a hard time because everybody wonders, how could a guy from Illinois be such, so in love with the Dallas Cowboys? Well, it's my dad's fault. He was a big Cowboys fan back in the day. I'm still that to this day. So um, I'm picking the Dallas Cowboys Dallas Cowboy football game. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I, I work with a guy that's a huge Cowboys fan, and it, if things don't go well, man, I mean – I don't know if it's a mood swing, but the you know it it's it's noticeable if they win or lose. <laughs> it's a cowboy thing, man. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> well, coach, we uh, we appreciate you taking time to join the show this week. Uh, best of luck this year in the OVC and first year at Division One for USI and yourself, and hope great things for the program and yourself going forward. Thank you guys for having me. Any, anytime you want me back on, please call. Right. Thank you for having me. Thanks, coach. Yep, appreciate it. Thank you. And that was head coach Stan Gerard of Southern Indiana. Uh, TJ, what would you think? I had two big takeaways. One, that he knows it's 100 miles from Southern Indiana to Southern Illinois, Carbondale. That was not That was pretty impressive. And two, we didn't mention this in the, the interview, but I was looking. I didn't know he went to John A. Logan, which is, for those of you that don't know, is a junior college in Carterville, Illinois, which is about... 10 minutes from SIU's campus. So I would, yeah. I would guess that's probably where he met his wife is that they were down there. But yeah, yeah I, and I, I was a junior college kid, so I love the, those stories about people you know making it that have gone through the junior college route. Yeah. Yeah, I think what stood out to me was, you know, we asked him, you know, what would, what would constitute a, a good season for you? And he said, well, winning the championship, which, yeah, I, I mean, mean, I guess – Aim high and miss is better than aiming low and achieving. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think he's really excited, you know, to get the Division One process going. I think this this is his third season at Southern Indiana. Um, but I am intrigued to see, and, you know, this assuming they make the OVC tournament, you mm-hmm. know, because the OVC only takes top eight, what kind of fan support they're going to get since it's literally just across – across town for right yeah and i think missed the chance i I, looking back i wish we would ask him what his thoughts are on the gauntlet style tournament that yeah they have there and i think that's another question too for coach alexander coach prome like what do you think about hey everybody's getting to go as opposed to only eight of you get to go and if you're not one of the top four chances are pretty tough but then you flip that around you know Coach Alexander and then, you know, Murray State, I mean, they were usually getting two buys. Right. So, I so mean, they, they were probably loving it. Yeah. They probably love that. And like, I got to start on on Friday, like, regardless. I'm like, I'm playing on Friday, but I play for three days. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. We, sh- we should have should have asked that. But I, I was really impressed with the way he talked about his former players. Yeah. The way he rattled off guys and the guys, what they're doing, how they're achieving things and kind of the, the expectations that he has from them and the the background to draw on it. You know, not only ju- the junior college background, but playing at a Division two level, playing at a championship caliber, 
playing professionally, going back to get his degree. All those oh, are yeah. things that here's a guy that that has walked the walk, who's done this, who's not just going to sit there and say, oh, you should do this, you should do this. Like, no, I've been there. You, it's still, you can still do it. Those things, there may be those things that impede you, but you can still get there. Yeah, it seemed like he was pretty big on leadership, which, and yeah, I, I sure. think, and I think most coaches are, but I think you have some coaches that that emphasize it more than others, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think he's one that it sounds like that he emphasizes the leadership, just making sure that you know the the players are are all around, you know, good people. You know, just not talented on the court, but also you know doing big things off the court and succeeding in life, especially yeah. after you know the. You know, because you can't play basketball your yeah, whole life. The ball stops bouncing. I think is the way he <laughs> phrased is, it. Yep. So yeah, I, I had I had, I had fun talking to him, and hopefully, um, if it's not in season, maybe once season ends, we'll be able to get him back on there and just actually see, you know, what was it like playing a full year Division One? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, because he talked about, it, you know, there some of these games on that schedule. You know, they're trying to, you know, get some money coming into that program with, you know, buy games and. I'm sure they'll probably try and do some facility upgrades. I mean, looking at their facility, it does look nice already. <laughs> they, so Their arena does not need an upgrade. I'm telling you right now, I haven't been in every facility in the OVC. First class? Yes. I mean, because our son, when he was looking to go to schools, we he'd been to McKendry, a local Division II, same conference as Southern Indiana was in. And he's like, that's one of the schools you want to look at. And we walked out, he's like, ah, that's not what I was expecting, Dad, because I've been in D2 gymnasiums that wasn't d2 you know well, so it's and, a it's a facility it's i mean if it wasn't for the ford center there in evansville it was probably easily a nice facility in that area well and and going off that i mean you know he basically said that you know they they had they had trouble trying to get some teams to play them because mm-hmm. they were so good at the division two level right you know powerhouse so <laughs> now the phone won't stop <laughs> ringing <laughs> we'll play you <laughs> yeah so now, you know, instead of getting by games, now they're, you know, vice versa. But, you know, being a good program at that level, probably why they did have a, a legit first class, you know, arena. Um, but with that, TJ, uh, that kind of wraps up what we got uh, for this week. You got any final thoughts? I do not. I'm just excited to get preseason started next week and, you know, the regular season started not too long after that. Yeah, uh, I know. We've mapped out some games that we've talked about in previous episodes that we're planning on going to. And uh, November 7th, you know, we got a game local. Uh, I think Murray State plays at St. Louis on November 7th. And I've thought about going to that game, but I also kind of want to watch all the games. So right. I'm, I'm kind of torn on if yeah. I'm going to go to the game, I can come home and I'd watch. I'd to go, you. but that means I'm going to miss you know, the multi-TV setup and yep. the fire sticks, Roku's going and... Yep, exactly. It's like, well, what do I want to do? But we'll cross that bridge when it gets here. Uh, But with that, that wraps up the show. Uh, For TJ Hoover, I am Chris Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud, and give us a follow on Twitter at ViewValleysPod. And also a special thanks to head coach Stan Gerard for joining the show, head coach at Southern Indiana, and just wanted to Give a special shout out to my father. He just turned 65 last week. Big 6-5. Wow, he must have had you when he was like 15. <laughs> that's that's funny. Good one. Just just kidding, Mr. Smith. You look look great for your age, and I I don't know what happened with Chris. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. We'll, we'll see you next week. Have a good one, everybody.